There's a wide open race for Missouri treasurer this year, and Judy Baker is hoping to keep the office in the Democratic fold. The Columbia Democrat joins us next on another edition of Politically Speaking. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Uh, I think that is fair to say. say, Hands to kiss and babies to shake. (laughs) But uh, no, I think my record speaks for itself. That's a really good question. Hello and welcome to the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum. Joe Manis is on assignment right now. So joining me in studio is our special guest. She is the Democratic nominee for state treasurer. We have? Yes, Judy Baker is here in your studio today. Back and better than ever. Working at winning the state treasurer office. It's very exciting. Very exciting. Thank you for coming back. We really appreciate your time as always. We were just talking before the show about uh, when we interviewed your Democratic opponent. I was doing push-ups for veterans and for... Let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase Actually, that. Actually, I asked you about that because um, I wasn't going to offer to do any push-ups with you today, no matter what. Uh, well, all I can tell you is that my arms hurt for, for several weeks after that. Well, good. But it was for veterans, and so that's what counts. Absolutely. And I know that you come from a veteran family. I think your father was in the Navy, if My I'm dad not was 20 years military, and uh, so I grew up uh, on, on bases all over the United States. It was yeah. the best education one could have, actually actually, was to be in the military. Well, let's touch briefly on your primary victory. In in a cycle where there were lots and lots of contentious primaries, it seemed like the treasurer's Democratic primary was spirited, but not overly negative. Is that a fair assessment? You know, I think that is a really fair assessment. It's uh, it's good words. Spirited is right. Uh, I I come from that camp where I don't think primaries are a bad thing because it gets you out meeting people. I met, you know, I've run a lot of other races, mostly in mid-Missouri. So I'd met a lot of folks in that area, but, uh, you know, a a race, a statewide race, and with a primary got me out in communities I hadn't been in yet. So I I met a whole lot of new people, and and my opponent did too. And we got them energized about the state treasurer race and what we could do there. Um, You know, there's some platform issues there that I think that the two of us even shared and some we had differences. But um, in the end, I think that we we set a democratic agenda for what we want to do in the state treasurer's office. It's really pretty exciting. Yeah. And I, I have seen that Pat Contreras has enthusiastically backed your general election campaign and I, I, that isn't the case with other statewide races. Um, your current state senator, Kurt Schaefer, I don't think has enthusiastically supported Josh Hawley after that bloodbath. So, Well, if he has, I haven't heard about it. I haven't heard about it either. Uh, but I have. Uh, Pat is... Uh, uh, on board, and uh, we I get a chance to see him every once in a while. He's a terrific candidate, and I'm sure we'll be around for a long time. So I have always said that the state treasurer's office is probably one of the most important statewide offices that doesn't get a lot of attention during election years because it's below president, U.S. Senate, governor, and even attorney general. Yeah, and it probably sounds a little boring, but it's not. Uh, And this is the perfect fit office for me right now because of my background and, uh, you know, some of the things that I've done in my past. When I was uh, the first thing, one of the first things I did when I was in the state legislature was I formed a bipartisan caucus that we called the um, the American Dream Caucus. And we uh, 
we took some time out together across the aisle to look at the safety net programs and how they were structured and what about that structure uh, made it difficult for people living in poverty to uh, work themselves out of poverty. Um, and so I learned a lot during that uh, that caucus, you know, uh, bringing in speakers and, and, and really dig- <clears throat> digging into the policy and figuring out what was keeping people down. And, um, you know, I'm still carrying a lot of that learning with me. Uh, and I think I have the right now the technical knowledge uh, to help us get uh, some issues in poverty taken care of. As you're transversing across Missouri, how do you get ordinary Missourians excited and engaged about this race? Oh, that's a great question. And I've been everywhere. I've been in small towns, big towns, suburban. I've been with chamber audiences. I've been with, uh, you know, uh, North County, St. Louis and inner city, uh, Kansas City. I've been with innovators. I've been, you know, in incubators all all over the state. And, uh, you know, just a lot of people don't know what the state treasurer does. So uh, much of what I've been doing is just educating people about what what the state treasurer does do and what we what are the possibilities of, of using some platform issues and a bully pulpit to get some things done. Uh, a lot of people like to say it's the chief financial officer of the state, which is true. I mean, we, ha- we, 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 we run an office that has accountants and auditors and, you know, a lot of policy folks. Uh, but I also, I, I'd like to bring to this uh, a sense of being the chief economic officer, to look at the bigger picture. What's our business climate like? How can we grow? How can we increase trade? How can we b- build the pie, grow the pie, so that there's more in the end of the day? You know, we, we struggle with right now, there's so few and, and limited resources that divvying up the pie is a huge food fight, essentially. And so um, instead of just having, having issues over who gets what little pieces, let's grow the pie so that we can do some of the things for the future that we need to do. One of my biggest um, uh, disappointments when I was in the legislature was, you know, when we look at the budget, it's only a 12-month budget. I would consistently say, what's our five-year plan? What's our five-year plan? And so I, when I get back into things uh, down in Jeff City as state treasurer, that's going to be my focus. That was going to be my next question, because typically the governor is heavily involved in the budget process. But, you know, as you just mentioned, the, the treasurer's office obviously knows the financial situation of the state pretty well, because right. that's part of their job. Is there, do you want to kind of provide almost like an omnibudsman role to legislators that are crafting the budget? Would you want to be practically involved? I'd like to hear more about this. You know, that's a, that's a good question. Um, that right now the state treasurer doesn't weigh in, so to speak, on budget making. It's, we're not the, we're not on the budget committee. We're not uh, the governor making the budget. But I, I think that we have, we'll, we ha- can have some influence um, and definitely the state treasurer is consistently at forums uh, where the economy is being talked about. And we're with business people on a daily basis talking about what uh, Missouri needs to do to attract jobs, how to build a, an attractive business climate. Uh, I've been as a candidate going around to, you know, uh, 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 labor, the labor community and talking about how we can have better um more available workforce, a skilled workforce using the apprenticeships and associate degrees and STEM programs uh, through, you know, our labor movement. 
um, in order that we can be attractive to uh, businesses that want to move to Missouri. It's not just about tax policy. When you want to attract businesses, it's not just tax policy. It is, it's an, that's an important component, and, and we're actually pretty good on that. And, we, you know, we talk about that uh, to the exclusion sometimes of what are the other things that attract businesses? And when you look at the places where high-paying jobs do go, it's to, it's to places that have high-quality health care, that have world-class higher education institutions, that have uh, really strong, innovative, uh, well-put-together infrastructure like roads and, and um, you know, transit. Um, and then lastly, that has that pipeline of skilled workforce. That's what businesses really look for. So let's kind of dive into the different segments of what the treasurer's office does. As, as you kind of mentioned, while it may not seem incredibly exciting, which I don't even think is the right assumption, I think uh, finance and, and treasury it's uh, fundamental. is, is, is yeah. fundamental and very exciting. It, it, you're, the treasurer's office performs so many important things in Missouri. So just, just from a general philosophical standpoint, if you are elected as the next state treasurer, Give me a sense of how you would run the office and what sort of priorities you would want to focus on. Well, the current treasurer has done a phenomenal job everywhere I go. No matter what side of the aisle you're on, they talk about what a great treasurer he has been. So I will continue to do a lot of the things that he's done inside the office to create efficiency, accuracy, transparency. We will continue those great things. Um, I, I also want to I'm working my whole campaign under a banner of build assets, build lives. Um, And it comes from, you know, like WalletHub did a a study of us and and reported that we're one of the lowest states on financial literacy. We are also a state that um, under 50% of our citizens have even a small nest egg of $400 to fall back on, according to the Treasury. Uh, in case they have a health care event or if they lose their job. So, you know, people are struggling. We're also a high state. We're a state that has high income inequality. Um, so, And that probably is one of the reasons why we have very few assets building in our lives. So um, I want to focus on people's ability to save their uh, financial literacy, how to stretch a dollar. You know, I'm a pastor's wife and a mom of three. We put three kids through college. And so I know how hard it is sometimes to make ends meet. Um, and I, I think that, that with that understanding that, you know, we, we're going to work on financial literacy and a few programs that are my priorities. If I'm not mistaken, the treasurer's office has, I think, uh, a role in, in state pensions. I think they might be on the Moser's board. Is That's that correct? correct. Mm-hmm. Give they me kind of one seat on the Moser's board and the investment board. Yeah, give me kind of a, a, a sense of how you would want to see the state pension system into the future. Right now, and I'm just for full disclosure for our listeners, since I am an employee of the University of Missouri-St. Louis, if I work here long enough, I will be on the state pension. So I want to make it clear that I do have a vested interest in this, but it's a, a lot of people have a vested sure, interest absolutely. in the state pension. How, do, how would we want to see that going forward? Because right now, I think it's a defined benefit and not like a 401k or anything. I assume you would want to see that going into the future. Is that fair to yeah. say? <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. Of course, we want the best return that we can get, we can possibly get. And there's some new ways of doing that. Of course, it has to do with the risk portfolio and how it's all balanced. Um, uh, as a pension right now, we're, we're well rated across the nation, which is good. There's a lot of pensions really struggling. Um, 
so uh, of course we want to we want to I'll want to get in there and dig in and get the analysis of you know where they project that we're going to be going with it uh, in the in the current structure and look and see what innovations are out there that are going to be best. Um, I've got a couple of friends that I've reached out to already who are state treasurers uh, that have grown the pie, like I was speaking about earlier, and uh, asked, been starting to talk with them about how we do that. And uh, so I'll have some assets I can turn to to help us. One of the best fund managers in the country uh, has agreed to, to uh, help us look at what we're doing. And it, I think Missouri is very fortunate because other states, like, for example, Illinois, are dealing with incredibly difficult situations with pensions. Absolutely. There, there was a bill that was passed, I think, in 2010 that was controversial, but I think headed off a lot of problems in the future. Yeah. So so that we can talk about this kind of as growing the pie as opposed to a crisis situation. And, and, exactly. And, and You've got to have some conservatism, of course, because, you know, when a recession hits or, uh, you know, the stock market fluctuates, it, it puts some of these things in peril. So there has to be a, a balance of taking risk and being conservative. And I, uh, I have some uh, experience on an investment board um, and have done that, uh, have looked at fund managers and, and evaluated them. Um, uh, so I'll bring that expertise to the board, too. Another board that you will serve on is a board that provides uh, low-income housing tax credits. I think you're, yes. you would be one of a number of statewide officials on that. Tell me your philosophy toward that particular incentive, because it's been under attack by mainly conservative Republicans, but also a few Democrats who feel like it should be changed. But Conversely, there are a lot of there are a lot of low income seniors and low income individuals that see that tax incentive as incredibly important for for housing. So I would like to hear your philosophy on that particular well, incentive. You know, I do think that uh, housing is kind of one of the next new big crises that crises that are going to happen. Um, uh, low income housing, in particular. So. Uh, uh, there's more. There's longer waiting lists than we actually have uh, availability at this point. So, um, I think if we make them make the developments or you know assist all of the contractors and developers in meeting the needs of what a low income individual has, that that's going to be the the best of our philosophy. For example, um, I think that low income housing developments can go into distressed areas and actually be a cornerstone for development of that area. You know, because then there needs to be a grocery and a bank. And I believe that's what's happening in Pagedale right exactly, now, for example. Exactly, exactly. So those are the kinds of things that help all of us. Uh, helps employers, too. You know, when employers have a, a place where their employees can live in a in a, in a nice place for uh, an affordable price, that helps the, the, the pressure on wages. So, you know, I think we have to see it as an investment in, in workforce, an investment in people. Um, uh, investment even in our seniors. And, you know, there's been some focus um, areas lately that, you know, making sure that we have enough for veterans and uh, enough for the disabled and, uh, you know, enough for low-income working families. Uh, what I'd like to see is, as a philosophy, if you want to know a philosophy, I'd like to make sure that we, um, you know, do enough uh, planning around them that we bring in some things that, that help, uh, especially working families like having child care on site right there um, so that when a person goes off to work, they know their child is cared for and safe at, at home. Um, and possibly for some uh, the special needs um, developments that we have on-site social services and possibly even clinical services. Tell me what you would want 
to see with the the most program, which is the college savings program, which again, if we're going to be full disclosure here, I have a most account. I uh, I am putting You're just mon- picking my brain yeah. so that you can figure out what. Yeah, <laughs> all this is th- this entire interview is predicated on giving me information for my future. <laughs> but uh, well, uh, I'm glad to be of service. But, but, but well, tell me where you would want to see that program because a lot of families choose the most program for their college savings. I'd like to, yes. get, again, get your philosophy on where you'd like to see that but program But it's go. underutilized. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing is with the uh, most 529 plans, they are, they are really good um, places for folks to uh, start saving for their future. Um, <clears throat> college affordability, of course, is a huge issue right now. And so being able to learn early how to save and, and, and gain access to a program like that is an important thing. The most 529 plans, only about 3% of the families that could use it do. So one of the, one of the things that we want to do is make it more accessible, communicate more about what is, uh, what is available out there. And honestly, the uh, average income of the family that's using it is uh, upwards of three figures. Right. So we want to make sure that the, the families that need it the most have access to it. Um, and a way to do that is children's savings accounts. St. Louis has a, already a history with children's savings accounts with Treasurer Jones uh, having created uh, the first program here in St. Louis City. And we're watching that very closely to uh, see what works and what doesn't work. And um, it's going quite well. The feedback's been pretty strong about you know what it does. The uh, Washington University, of course, has done a lot of the research on these types of children's savings accounts. And they've seen in a project in Oklahoma that if you give a f- child and a family a savings account when they enter school or by the time they enter school, that the outlook on their future improves dramatically. So I'd like to see that type of program scaled to the state so that you know everyone who enters school has a savings account. We pair that with some K through 12 curriculum for financial literacy, and you know kids can learn all through their uh, educational career. Uh, how to save money, why it's important, how money grows, what are discounts, what's a credit score, why is that important? And, you know, just just general things that uh, are life skills. Uh, and we can use age-appropriate curriculum and make sure that they get um, the training they need so that by the time they get out of school, they're ready for their next, uh, the, you know, their next uh, big thing that they're going to do. And honestly, we're going to make sure that it's rebranded, not just college savings, which we like to say, but college and career savings program. Not everyone goes to college. Mm-hmm. And there's some really great apprenticeships, trade schools, vocational schools, community colleges, all kinds of things that people can go to uh, and having having saved a nest egg in order to do that. In in your last appearance on the show, you talked pretty extensively about how you want to use the treasurer's office as kind of a financial empowerment office and to, to deal with poverty in Missouri. Kind of, I would like you to kind of flesh out practically how you're going to do that, because obviously you'll have a bully pulpit, but I know that there could be some influence you could have on the legislature to start programs to deal with that, because as as you and I both know, poverty in Missouri is an immense problem, not it just is. in urban areas, but also in rural Missouri. It uh, is. I'd, I'd like you to kind of expand upon that philosophy. Well, I would like to see 
our safety net programs to all go towards a stair-step approach. So right now we have a cliff-off effect. And this is, I'll be doing this advocacy to the legislature. You know, I can go door-to-door at night to my colleagues in the legislature and just talk about what, what it is I think that we can do to help people pull themselves out of poverty. Because everyone wants to. I mean, no one wants to live in poverty. Uh, unfortunately, we have some, some systems that create barriers. Um, when I talk about a stair-step out of poverty, I'm talking about um, you know, some people can't take that extra dollar raise at work because if they go over a threshold, they'll lose their child care benefits or, uh, you know, f- uh, uh, food assistance or whatever. So we want to make sure, I think we want to make sure that all of our social programs have a, gr- are graduated, have, you know, as you earn more, you, that you back off of those benefits. So as you, you can take that new job across the uh, town too and without uh, fear of losing some benefits that are supportive. So you, they would, they would stair-step down as you stair-step up. So does that make sense? That, that does make sense. That does make sense. That would take, you know, convincing a Republican legislature to do those types of things. But These I th- are conservative ideas. I think yeah. we can sell them. I was just going to say there, the, the conservative Republican legislature just passed a bill and Nixon signed it, I think, uh, expanding the asset limit for Medicaid. And yeah. I hope I'm describing absolutely. that right. That's but, absolutely right. But that was a big fight. I know when you were in the Missouri House. Yeah, I actually it, sponsored that bill. So, you know, it, the, there are more Republicans than ever in the legislature, and they agreed to do that. And that may be kind of a sign that they may be softening on some of these things. I don't know. We'll have to see what the composition you know, I think of the legislature we've is. We've got to start having the right conversation instead of just a right or a left conversation. And we've got to find a what's the solution conversation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's just picking apart what the problem is. Um, but we've done a lot of identifying what the problem is. It's now time to, do, to work into what the solutions can be. And I think I've got some good ideas. Tell me some other things you want to do, because there, there are also other duties we haven't touched on, like investing the state's money. Are, um, you, know, you mentioned in the last show starting like accounts for returning prisoners. Any, any other ideas you want to mention? So uh, the reentry program is another one that I've uh, come up with uh, as a, uh, what I think would be a strong public policy initiative uh, through the state treasurer's office. It, it would use a very similar mechanism like the 529 plans um, so that inmates, while they are serving their time, are also learning um, about financial literacy, how to start a business, what are negotiation skills. Um, and so we, so they would have a bank account and, and start to build assets so that when they get out, it, that those assets would flow with them to their reentry program and that they would be able to address uh, their needs as they reenter their community. Uh, so I think, uh, and there's already some not-for-profits that have picked up uh, uh, on that and are working on that idea, even though we spoke about it uh, as early as last fall. So you are running against Republican State Senator Eric Schmidt. He is a two-term senator from the St. Louis area. I'll ask very simply, what do you think is the biggest difference between you and your opponent when you're running for this office? I think largely it is what we just talked about, the things we're just talking about. I'm talking about things that are going to matter to working families and the struggles that they face every day. Uh, one that we haven't talked about yet uh, in asset building is equal pay for equal work, for instance. Um, and the legislature hasn't passed anything in the, in this state uh, to address that issue. Uh, while, you know, women and and especially women of color um, make somewhere between 65 and 75 cents on the dollar. Uh, so it's not just women, it's women and minorities and the pay gap. Um, 
I want to do an equal pay toolkit through the st state treasurer's office that will address uh, the, that difference in asset building. So I'm talking about asset building every day and the policies that it's going to take to, to help people do that. We all want everyone to be independent, as independent as they possibly can be. I'm talking about real solutions. My opponent is not. He's talking about a lot of things that even the state treasurer can't even do. Like what? Well, uh, for instance, he is uh, he has done a tour going around talking about terrorism. And, you know, this is the Missouri State Treasurer's Office. Terrorism is something we have to be concerned about. And I will be upholding the policy that already exists in the state of Missouri that the that we will not invest taxpayer dollars in states that sponsor terror. Which I'm 100% was... behind that. Yeah. But it, he's wanting to expand it to doing business and new new uh, lines of trade. Let's just take the Boeing in, uh, for, as an example. Boeing wants to sell passenger planes to Iran, um, and they're just passenger planes, and the, it's a $20 billion deal, and it will bring a lot of new jobs, passenger commercial business to the, to the city of St. Louis. And uh, he he has he's on the record as saying that that would that would cancel their tax credits that we gave them two years ago. I think that that is uh, uh, very destabilizing to the business community. You say we'll give you tax credits, but on the whim of a state center that wants a larger office, all of a sudden we don't have you know we're going to jeopardize or cancel your tax credits. We can talk all day about the tax credits. Sometimes you know I'm not exactly on board with all tax credits, but if we give them, we shouldn't use a, as a political ploy, uh, a, you know, a threat to take them away. I think that's destabilizing to the business community. What, was, what I was going to say was the policy that you mentioned, I think, was established under Republican Treasurer Sarah Steelman, and I don't believe the Democratic State Treasurer Clint Zweifel has rescinded it. I think that's he's correct. kept it. That's right. So you're, And it's working. Yeah. But um, I, I have heard him talk a lot about that. But basically, it seems like you're both in agreement that you want that policy to remain in place, That's essentially. Correct. So that that <clears> isn't <throat> actually like a big distinction between you two. Well, but, it but, may not, but it's not a source of emphasis in your campaign. But I don't think that we should be threatening tax credits right. over it. On, on new lines of business, new trade that would bring jobs to retain jobs and bring jobs to St. Louis it, and the rest of the rest of Missouri. I mean, Boeing has 15,000 jobs here and 547 vendors across the state of Missouri that would be impacted by uh, Senator Schmidt's policy. Is that the main contrast you see between you two as far as just policies on treasurer's race? Or no. Like I said earlier, I think the biggest, uh, the biggest contrast is that I'm talking about working families mm -hmm. every single day and what we can do to help folks become independent, live independent lives, build assets. And I, I don't hear anything from the senator about things that matter to people in their everyday lives. Well, I don't think you're going to divulge your secret strategy for winning this office. I would kind of like to get your sense on how you're running this campaign. Um, senator Schmidt built up a large war chest because he got several large donations, I think, from, from some big name Republican donors. But I, I have noticed from looking at the Missouri Ethics Commission that money is trickling your way from various sources, which signals to me that you'll probably have enough to get on TV pretty soon, if not imminently. So again, without divulging your secrets, how are you kind of uh, squaring away how you're campaigning for this statewide office? Well, I will, I will say your observations are absolutely right on point. 
Um, this my campaign is powered by the people and not by one or two uh, big funders. Um, and I'm really proud of that. Um, and it, it's probably the reason why we are neck and neck in the polls right now, even though I haven't spent any money on on TV or radio or, you know, anywhere um, that's a that's a broadcast. So uh, I think that my message is what's resonating with people. And we're going to continue to put that out in the next two weeks and ask for people's votes. And I, I go into communities. We do literally about 13, 15 events a week, uh, in addition to to uh, talking to voters uh, by phone and so on, and supporters. So we're just working hard, and you know, I I have a, a reputation all the way all, all all across the state that has been one of being a, 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 a just a community presence, someone who'll come in and and talk about the issues and make sure that we are beginning to look for solutions together. I think that has resonated. I think people are very enthusiastic about my candidacy. Um, I hear every day that, you know, from supporters and, and new friends and new supporters that uh, this is an exciting campaign they want to be a part of. Um, so we're, we're going to continue to do that. Uh, we are going to have enough money to compete. Mm -hmm. um, it is a Powered by the People campaign. Uh, so I would just ask uh, listeners to, you know, look us up. Um, get involved. We have two and a half weeks left. Uh, there's still time to uh, make a really big push for Judy Baker being state treasurer of the state of Missouri. It, it seems like it's two and a half years from now. But <laughs> my, my final question is, is, is a question I'm basically asking every statewide candidate about the national environment. You have experience of running in a pretty competitive race in 2008 when yes. the, the national environment was great for Democrats. It's actually looking like 2016 may possibly be even better given the full collapse of, of Donald Trump at the moment. He could come back. I don't want to make any predictions. <laughs> but right now, he's slated to lose states like Arizona, Georgia, North Carolina, and even Utah. So that's John McCain was not doing that. Yeah. And, and that that's a whole different environment than even someone like you is used to. How do you think that's going to affect you, you know candidates like yourself that there may be an enthusiastic Democratic turnout this year because people want to get rid of Trump, essentially. Definitely think that momentum's on our side, even all the way down the ticket. Um, and that that's a, that's a good feeling. Um, you know, uh, I, I have, in that race, in that congressional race, I was in a district that I wasn't supposed to break, you know, 42% or so of the vote if I did well. I ended up getting... Uh, I, I almost nearly won um, a Republican red seat, and it was because uh, I am I ran the campaign above politics and about what it is we need to do uh, leadership-wise in the state of Missouri. And I think that message really resonated. I think with the momentum of where things are going now, and and that authenticity that I bring to the things I do, um, I think we are, we very likely can win this race. Well, thank you very much for coming in. And I, I will make this promise to, I guess, all the statewide candidates that come in. If you win, you get to come back on the show when you're actually in office and talk about policy. Awesome. I will look uh, forward to uh, challenging you to some push-ups oh at my, that time. I, I, I'll, I'll start training now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, 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 
I, I again, I did it for the veterans because I thought it was a good cause. But man, we that was do it for the veterans. I, we could do it for the veterans <laughs> again. Man, that was a painful thing to do. I am not very strong or good at push-ups. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. You can follow Joe Manis on Twitter at Jay Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. I think I got that spelling right. How would we follow you on Twitter? Uh, it is Judy Baker for Mo with four as a as a number. Oh, Judy that's Baker important. For that's an important thing. Four <laughs> as a number as opposed to four as a word. We'll be back and next. it's showmebaker.com is the website. I was going to ask you if you had any other uh, worldwide web places people could go We'd to. We'd love to have people's help. We'll be back next time. Until then, so long. Mm-hmm.